eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's always game day in Cleveland, brought to you locally by Smiley One. Heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. As the big boys said, he's Daryl Ryder, and I'm Andy Baskin. And uh, another week, and we go back into the AFC North this week, but not before a little bit of drama today, I would say, in Berea or yesterday, as you're listening to this on Thursday morning. Um, you uh, kind of asked some pretty interesting questions in the locker room, especially when it came to JJ3. And I think a lot of fans are saying this and seeing it and trying to wonder, um, is there chemistry on this team? Is there leadership on this team? And, um, you know, you you wonder it, and some teams you know just have it. I You know, we just watched the Guardians. They had it. There's no question about it that that team was a team, and they were, you know, they had each other's back all the time. Now, maybe a low payroll does that sometimes, but I'm just curious, Daryl, your thoughts on that and your conversation with JJ3 today. Um, no, they don't have chemistry. Um, they have a lot of good individual players, but that's what they are, individual players, and it shows on the field every Sunday. I mean, how many times do we watch the defense after giving up a play? They're all looking at each other like, uh, you was that you? Was that me? You know, they're just – there is none. Um, I, I tweeted this out because I, I just I, – I've been in so many locker rooms and clubhouses like you have over the years, and you can just tell when teams have the it factor. The, the organic it factor. The Browns don't have organic anything. Uh, they have a bunch of individual talent, and that's about it. Um, you mentioned the Guardians. Yeah, you know, being in that clubhouse this year, you could feel it. The guys just genuinely. You didn't love, even have to be in the clubhouse to understand it. I, I understand, but I'm just there. I'm just yeah. trying to peel the curtain back so people can you know sure. can understand what I'm uh, talking about. I mean. Um, and, and baseball is a little bit different because you're around each other for six, you basically live together for six months out of the year, uh, with the travel schedule and whatnot. But, you know, 
is draining as a baseball season can be. I mean, you got guys are playing pickup mini basketball in the, in the clubhouse and they're playing cards and video games and talking smack to each other and clowning around and just, you know, having a, just having a good time. And, you know, with the Cavaliers, my God, like on their off days, they go up to the Wolstein center to watch the G league, you know, like just because they want those guys to feel part of the organization. And, and, and there's just, I, I just, I don't feel that organic chemistry with this Browns team. It's forced. And I can tell it's forced because when they're now, they've reached the suggestion phase of how to fix things. And, and the whole genesis of my questions today was basically, you know, I just, I get tired of hearing the same crap every week. Well, it's my fault or it's, you know, we got to you know, fix this and we, do our one of 11 we're, we're fine. And, it, and it's the same stuff every week. And so my thing today, when I went in the locker room was like, listen, we've been hearing for three weeks about whose fault it is and people taking responsibility. And I don't want to belittle that because look, I, I respect the fact that guys are willing to stand up and say, Hey, I'm, I'm the one that screwed up. I, I so, but I, I think we're past the I screwed up. And it's like, well, when are you going to stop screwing up? That's where we're at. And and so that's what I wanted to know. And and so that's why when I went into the locker room today, that was kind of my mission. Like, okay, we've been hearing for weeks about guys taking accountability and stuff, but when does the accountability actually turn into tangible results on the field? So you had a chance to talk to JJ3 about it. I, I, we played a little bit of this during our show today, Daryl, let's play it for everybody else too, because I think it's super interesting. All right. Uh, here we go. John, the last couple of weeks, there's, you know, pretty much everyone has kind of stepped up and said, Hey, it's, it's on me. It's my bad. You know, I made a mistake, whatever. So I just, how do you get past the, it's my fault to act actually like having the corrections and the mistakes eliminated? Cause it seems like you, that's where you guys are at right now. You're in the, it's my bad, but you guys haven't gotten things tightened up. Yeah, it has to be like a it's a commitment thing. Like when practice is over and our day is done, you can't just run out of the building and forget about you know your job. Um, I think we need everyone in this building to really like be 100 percent in on, on the task at hand. And um, right now, I think we're at a place where that's not the case. So um, whatever we got to do to get as many guys, if not everyone, you know, in on the same page. I think that's what it is because that's the only way things are going to change. Why do you think it's, you just said it's not the case? Why do you think it's not the case and how do you make it the case? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't know, but you, you could say we're a younger team. I mean, but that's no excuse. You know, this is a, a big time league, um, the top of the top. And um, like I said, it's not an excuse. So we got to find ways, however that may be, you know, the, the leaders on the team got to get together and figure it out, but you got to change something. It's interesting because younger teams tend to do that more than older teams do because the older teams, yep. you know, guys are going home with their wives or their kids and trying to figure out, you know, the rest of their lives. And I, I do, he, I, I just thought it was really interesting when he said, you know, we're a younger team and we're not like that. Well, why is that? I don't understand that. That's uh, what he's saying is that starts at the top and I'm not, you know, you, I'm not telling the guys what to do ever especially at that level. Cause they're, I mean, they're alpha dogs They're they're what I think most athletes and most people who watch professional athletes wish they were, but 
there's a common ground though about having chemistry and camaraderie on a team and trying to figure out anyone who's played on any team can can understand that you don't i mean you can find that out on a five or six year old team if if guys get along girls get along that you just know it and they want to play together and they want to help each other out and they want to share to be able to do it i mean it's it's really a preschool concept and i, I i'm it, it's troublesome what what jj3 said and then to go even further in that, and I don't know if you have another cut from it or not, but Kevin Stefanski talked about that too when you talked about that with him in the press conference, and yeah. I thought Kevin's answer was shocking too. Yeah, and and he acknowledged that he had already spoken to JJ3 about that, um, and so that's why I think it's not that all that big of a deal that this has kind of come out, um, or and, and I wrote this um you know, this isn't a situation where JJ3 spoke out of turn because he's on that, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, leadership council, committee, leadership, leadership committee, whatever. The group of whoever gets together with Kevin Stefanski and they, you know, discuss the, the, five. The, 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 the problems of the day. And look, where the Browns are concerned, there are plenty of problems of the day, unfortunately. Um, and and that's, I guess, the the frustrating part of all of this is when you're, you know, talking about that kind of stuff, Andy, um, you know, it's, it, and, and I wrote this as my lead, like, I can't teach you, um, I I can't teach you self-motivation. I can't teach you work ethic. Y'all want to do it or you don't like that's, that's what it comes down to. So when you've got this situation where you're having to, I guess, um, beg guys to to go the extra mile, um, that's, I, I think, a little bit of a, a problem. Here's what Kevin Stefanski had to say about that. I've talked to John and I've talked to the leadership group and talked to a lot of young players. And, and this is, you do want these guys to take their jobs seriously. This is a this is a job at the end of the day, and you got to spend time with it. When you're in the building, you got to spend time away from the building. So there are young players, of course, that you're trying to teach them how to be a pro. Until you teach them, there are some guys that don't know. So like most teams, you have young players that you're bringing along, but uh, I think the guys do a good job of pouring everything they have into these weeks. And, uh, you know, we, we fill up their day, and we fill it up with whether it's meetings and walkthroughs and practice and lifting and rehab and those type of things. Uh, but there's also an element of this job that you do uh, stay committed to it outside of this building. That's a very nice way of saying, yeah, they, they, they've they got to invest away from the facility as much as they invest when they are here. Who, though, at- whose responsibility is that? That's the, the ultimate question right. because coaches can coach so much, and coaches, I think, in this scenario should be guiding leaders to make that happen. I think that good teams understand that, and there's a relationship between senior leaders and and that committee that he talks about and the coaching staff and, you know, having everybody being on the same page and understanding it to me, it's a, it's a failure among the the peer group leaders then is, is what that sounds like. And I don't think that Kevin Stefanski minds that that JJ three came out there and said it. Cause like, it sounds to me like what he said to you is just, uh, he's reinforcing what the coach wants on top of that. He needs guys that are going to be in it to win it. And it doesn't sound like that at all. This has been addressed internally, and they're not getting the results. That I, I mean, again, 
I can't force you to want to be great and to do whatever it takes on and off the field to be great. I'll use the Tom Brady example. Now, I'm not saying it should go to this extreme, but like he he basically has traded his marriage for football. If you if you think about that, okay? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't, we don't know all the details, but I can I, see I how I, on the outside it looks that way. It it that's that's kind of what it looks like, right? That football mattered to him more than his marriage. Or um, maybe that's his escape because the I'm not getting into right. the marriage. I, but, but, but I, point, I, I we don't is, know. It, we you it, know it's Tom, uh, Tom does whatever it takes to win. And he puts in whatever it time it takes to win. And he's done that throughout his career. I don't think the Browns have those kind of players on this team. They've got talented players, but I don't think they got guys that are willing to do everything it takes to win. And I can't teach that. I can't force that. That's on you. You have to have uh, an internal drive to be great on your own. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's, I mean, there's so, a this, scene. This isn't, uh, this isn't a uh, Kevin Stefanski problem. This isn't a Andrew Barry problem or a Haslam's problem. Well, I, I can mean, see it, where it is, Barry, and I'll tell you why in a second. It, it's a Barry problem because he brought the guys in and didn't, you know, uh, you know, pick up on this. So, Daryl, uh, you know as well as I do that when it comes to the Guardians, they know exactly what type of person they're bringing into. Right. I mean, I think they take pride in that. Well, look Guys at the that quarterback. I mean, it goes back to $230 million too. Right. Same, I, I just, I think that's the whole situation in a microcosm right there. Sure. That, that to put yourself in that type of position, put your career in that kind of jeopardy. Like I'm just saying, like, I just, I, uh, there are things you can't quantify and uh, a person's heart will desire uh, work ethic, all that. Like they, they got talented players. They got guys that when they're in the building, they work hard, work hard on the practice field. Sure. They work hard in the meetings, right? Paying attention. They're involved, all that. But I mean, I, I think that we find, remember a couple of weeks ago, I said, there's something missing with this team and I can't yeah. get my finger on it yet. Guess what? Got my finger on it. I know exactly what's wrong with this team. And that's why I firmly believe this team is going absolutely nowhere. All right, let's talk more about that too. I mean, there was the speech after the game on Sunday too, and I want to I want to make reference points on this too. So we'll come back. We'll talk more about it. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, why don't you subscribe to the podcast? He's Daryl. I'm Andy. We're back after this. It's always game day in Cleveland. Brought to you locally by Smiley One Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. And when talking about our football team, it doesn't feel like anything's comfortable right now. Um, you know, I there there's. Going back to what we were talking to in the first segment of the show today, I just think that when it comes to athletics, again, and I talk about all levels, there are guys that can play the game, but it takes zero talent to hustle. And I think that that's a little bit of what we're talking about here, too, that maybe it's not hustling and being able to run, you know, 4440. It's about being able to hustle and say, all right, I got my teammates back on this play. And when we were talking about it in the beginning of the season, you know, communication issues at this level, that just seemed it seems very very odd to me, and then the point that that you brought up a little bit earlier in the show reminded me of the movie Miracle. Uh, Kurt Russell was awesome in that movie, playing uh, Herb Brooks, the, the coach of the nineteen eighty Olympic hockey team. And you know, there's the scene where they're skating, and those scenes are you know, what they're skating. They're, they they call them suicides, or they call them Colorados, where you 
skate from line to line to line to line to line to line to line, and then you do it till exhaustion. And the question he kept asking them every time they did a line was, what's your name and who do you play for? And the movie did a great job of, of showing I played for Boston College. I play for Minnesota. And finally, once those guys realized when he said, I play for Team USA, I play for the United States of America, they got it. They understood it. Now, I don't know with money sometimes if that plays into it. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that that might be a little bit of what, what ails this team. And then, Daryl, there were a million questions about what Jacoby Brissett said to the team after the game on Sunday. And I'll ask you this question. Does it matter at this level what he said? I thought Nick Chubb's response actually was the most telling um, of that. And it was basically, yeah, it matters if people actually go out and do it. <laughs> like, I, I, and that kind of caught me off guard. But he, and, you know, how many rah-rah speeches can you have, right? One. You can I only mean, do it once. I mean, that's that's all it's all we hear about is speeches and guys. here's what Jacoby had to say about it. It was just one of those moments where uh something needed to be said by somebody and, and uh, uh as the quarterback, as the leader of this team, I felt the liberty to do that. I mean, I only do it because I hope people's listening because I, I need to hear it myself, you know. So uh Hopefully it, it translates, and I think it, it will. I think it has. Guys understand the urgency that we need to play with and, and focus with with this week of preparation, and uh, you know, that's the mindset. Uh-huh. I'll believe it when I see it. Sorry. I, 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 I can only hear so much about speeches and saying something, and you know what I mean? Like, And that's why I asked what I did today, because at what point does this turn into tangible results on the field? Because, it, again, I respect guys taking ownership of making a mistake. I'm When I'm wrong, I'm the first to say I'm wrong and, and whatever, right? right? But if you don't change the behavior, if you don't make the corrections, it doesn't matter. And that's, I think, what Nick Chubb was kind of uh, trying to say today. Yeah, I mean, it, it's great that he did that. He's a great leader, and he's passionate, and he cares, et cetera, et cetera, but Ain't gonna matter if nobody listens. Uh, here's, uh, you know, I mean, um, they're two and four right now. They are, uh, you know, on the brink of uh, having their season get flushed down the drain. Here's what Nick Chubb had to say about the Jacoby speech. I mean, that's Jacoby. I mean, he's a great leader, great vocal leader. Um, he meant every word. The team, we all felt it. We all feel the same way. You know, we have to do the, do the small things right. And starting today, we're gonna get back on track. Starting today, we're yeah, going to I believe him because I don't, I don't question his play on the field ever. In fact, I'm frustrated for him, aren't you? Oh, I'm frustrated for Nick Chubb. I walked by him as he left the stadium Sunday. It was written all over his face like, what the F was that today? This is not what this season was supposed to be. Not supposed to get 12 carries. The backup quarterback shouldn't be throwing 45 times. Now, he will never, ever say any of that publicly. He never. is the uh. ultimate team player. He will never bitch and complain about his carries. But did get asked today about getting just a dozen against the Pats. Of course, I want the ball in my hands. It doesn't have to be a run. It could be anything. But and I trust in whatever coaches have going on. I mean, if 
felt like we were behind, so we need to throw the ball more, and that's what we did. And I mean, at the end of the day, we had a chance to um, at least make it a one possession game. weren't quite able to. So I mean, um, we were always in that game. Just at the end of the, game, the score looks worse than what it was because at the end they ended up just blowing us out. You know? But we had a chance there, and we didn't make it happen. He's frustrated. One of my fear is for. I'll, I'll tell you my fear on Nick Chubb. Ready, mm-hmm. Joe Thomas. We have this 100%. great athlete that that is able to do things I think that other players in the NFL can't do. Joe was one of the best left tackles to play the game, and we're going to find that out when he goes into Canton next year. And as I watch Nick Chubb and the Browns go to third down and I see him standing on the sideline, I ask myself the same question. Are we going to look at him the way we look at Joe Thomas and say what a wasted career? And are we going to look at Nick Chubb somewhere down the road and go, Man, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Why is the best player on this team not on the field? I think I ask that every time I see him on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless he's tired or hurt. I, I Okay, I can live with that. Yeah, I, I've stopped doing that because I had to eat the crow last year again, admitting when I'm wrong, because uh, I was going ape you-know-what when he was on the sidelines in Los Angeles against the Chargers, and it turned out at the end of that game he was banged up. So there was a legitimate reason why he wasn't on the field. So I always, so now you notice I haven't been complaining as much about Nick not being on the field in certain situations. But yeah, I mean, Joel Batonio, Miles Garrett. I mean, they're just they're wasting the primes of these guys' careers, um, and and that's we talked about it. Like they don't have a talent problem. We're not sitting here bemoaning the fact that they have no one that can cover anybody. They don't have any pass rushers. They don't have any uh, guys that can run the ball. They don't have anyone that can catch a damn ball. They don't have anyone that can throw. Well, I guess <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, they, they have all of this talent. They're two and four because they gave away a bunch of games early in the season. And now that was the easy part of the, the schedule. Now the tough stuff has happened. And so all these little things, right? All these little fissures that have occurred in the first six weeks that we've been talking about mm-hmm. are starting to really, really percolate to the surface to the point of right now it's uh, we we've heard in the last two weeks, will and want to, right? We played that sound on this podcast yep. last week. Uh, it's um uh, you know, attention to details and this, that, and the other. And now this week it's, well, it's about commitment outside of the building and, you know, being willing to go the extra mile when you're not quote unquote on the clock, you can't treat your job in the national football league. Like it's a nine to five because it's not now for, uh, you know, our, our listeners that, uh, you know, buy Browns tickets every week and, and listen to us and what, these guys get into the facility between 6 and 7 a.m. every day. They Their day ends after meals and meetings and more meetings and weightlifting and more meetings and uh, practice and then more meetings and film session and lunch and have, you know, media and all that. All this stuff gets compressed into this day. And they, they usually wrap up between 5 and 6 o'clock. Every day. So a couple, you know, sometimes it's a little earlier on Fridays. Everybody's out of the building by three o'clock so that everyone can kind of decompress, especially, you know, road game. Got to go home and pack and and things like that. But, um, yeah, I I mean, and that's what Kevin Stefanski was talking about when he said we really fill up their day. But, again, I just I can't teach self-motivation. I can't teach going the extra mile. I can't teach work ethic. 
Now, these are things that the general manager, Andrew Barry, needs to know about these guys. To your point earlier, when I was trying to get uh, right. I, I improperly was giving Andrew Barry a little bit of a pass. Those are things that he's got to know uh, about these guys because you can't quantify that with data or analytics or measurables or a 40 time or even, uh, you know, on film. Like you get that information from talking to their their coaches at all levels. Go, I mean, these look, scouts talk to high school coaches, Andy, uh, during the draft process. Uh, they, they talk to former employers. Uh, you know, uh, you're a busboy at a restaurant. Odds are there's someone from the organization reached out to the, the owner or the supervisor. Hey, how was, how was Andy Baskin, uh, busting those tables when he was in high school? He was sorry. horrible. He uh, hated it. He was, he hated it. Oh, good. He hated his, busting tables. You know, he wanted to right. do something his, more. Okay, good. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, oh, absolutely. It's all part of the, the information gathering process. So that's the thing. Again, I want to reiterate though. I'm not saying that it's a bad locker room. I'm not saying that they have bad guys in the locker room. Absolutely not. What I am saying is they got a bunch of good guys that have a lot of talent that just they they lack the organic, natural chemistry that you can't force. Well, I do think sometimes winning causes that to happen, too. And when you lose, all the ugliness comes out. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, why don't you subscribe to the podcast? Or if you want to chime in, we're still holding a mailbag back here. So uh, we've got a bunch of questions that are in the mailbag. We haven't brought them out yet. But if you want to ask one, well, you may make it onto the show. And wouldn't you be lucky? Yes, you would. You can always hit us up on social media. And you can do that at uh, game day CLE on both Instagram and Twitter. When we return, the commissioner talking about the Browns quarterback, what did he have to say? We'll talk about that next on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Again, we get set to see the Browns take on the AFC North over the next two weeks. Uh, you'll have the Ravens, and then you'll have the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday night, and then we'll all get a week to relax. Daryl, you know, you brought it up in the last segment. I'm a little concerned they easily easily could be two and nine when you look at the quarterbacks before Deshaun Watson comes back in. I'm not ready to broach that subject yet. So um, I do want to talk about something that concerns Deshaun Watson. And you picked this up yesterday and wrote a story about it. 92.3 the fan.com about the commissioner talking about Deshaun Watson. What did he have to say? Yeah, he, uh, he was asked for an update uh, concerning Watson and whether or not Deshaun has been abiding by the terms of the disciplinary settlement that obviously include the 11-game suspension of $5 million fine. This was uh, Commissioner Goodell's response to that inquiry. Yes, um, he's followed um, uh, all of the terms of uh, the agreement. Uh, as far as any additional, we obviously will follow all of those. If there's new information, we will take that into consideration. Uh, but we'll see as the time goes on. And what uh, the commissioner is referring to is that 26th lawsuit that had been filed last week uh, in Harris County, Texas, uh, alleging more sexual misconduct uh, with a, another therapist, uh, basically along the same lines of what he's already been accused of in the lawsuits that he has settled. Um, uh, basically, uh, Unless he gets uh, charged with a crime at this point, he's kind of been grandfathered in, so to speak. Um, anything that pops up from that time period as a member of the Houston Texans regarding civil litigation, it's not going to be held against him. 
unless the accusation levied against him uh, rise to a different level than where they are now. Uh, and uh, so that that's what the commissioner is referring to there. He's back. You know, he's, I saw him as a matter of fact today in the, in the locker room uh, briefly um, you will not hear from Deshaun Watson. He's not permitted to speak with uh, the media or hold any type of availability. That's part of the, the discipline stuff. Uh, that's not a team thing or a Deshaun thing. So want to be fair about that. But um, yeah, I mean, he is still on track to practice November 14, be fully reinstated November 28th. And the Cleveland Browns plan on putting him on the field against his former team, December 4th in Houston. And I, I would, th- I, and I've said this on the show numerous times. I have no expectation for him when he walks back out on the field. It'll be two years, two years since he's played. So if he looks rusty and it doesn't look right, I just think it's, it's, it it is what it is. And if you have expectations for him, you need to hold them till next year. Yeah. I, I, um, if I, I think I said it in training camp and people got on me, but I was like, if you're expecting Deshaun Watson to come back and he's going to be the guy to carry you to the playoffs and save your season, you're just not being fair to him or realistic about the the situation. Um, and that's, that's just a pure football statement there. It's, you know, I'm not defending him or anything or justifying anything. It's just, that's just the reality. He hasn't played in two, two years, but right now, look, I mean, uh, the Browns are, they're two and four season is really hanging in the balance. They have no margin for error. They've got uh, this trip to Baltimore against the Ravens come home, uh, against the Bengals, and I, I uh, here's Jacoby Brissett on trying to right the ship. It's the only way is up, so I think that's the mindset to have, and uh, and that's the, the mindset we're taking. And, and listen, we've done a lot of good stuff throughout, throughout this year, so uh, not taking away from that, but uh, it's just about this week, and and whatever we can do to find find a way for this week is is our mindset, and that's what uh, Kev has been preaching us, and that's what we're taking yeah. forward. By the way, it's always a positive when the message is basically, well, can't get any worse. <laughs> <laughs> I feel better already. Uh, I hate to say it, it can't it can't yes, get worse. Yeah. We've been there. Yeah. He, no, no, he didn't survive once he didn't survive one win in two seasons, so uh or four and three like we did. Uh Nick yeah. uh, Nicholas Jamal Chubb weighed in on the whole two and four thing as well. It's been hard, you know, coming to the season. Obviously the offseason working really hard and coming to not quite what we all expected, but I mean, it's still a long season, have a long way to go. I mean anything can happen. We can turn this thing around and starting with this game up front. So it's the season's not over. We have a long way to go, but a lot of work to do. But I mean we're still in it. All all I'm hearing is long and I <laughs> just I'm that's all I'm thinking about. It's gonna be a long season. It's gonna be a long December. It's gonna be a yeah, long but guess what? November. But Daryl, you know as well as I do, they pull off a victory. Let's I mean three of the four losses were less than three points. Yes, if and they if, win Sunday, we're having a Super Bowl parade on Monday. Yes, I'm oh I you know it. You know it. You know fans are gonna be oh we beat the Ravens, we own the Ravens, and now we're two and zero against the AFC North. Miles Garrett's gonna dress as count. Dracula for th- for uh, the Bengals game on Monday Night Football because it'll be Halloween. And then Joe Burrow will probably come in and kick their backside and Garrett will walk into the media room wearing another costume. I, I Look, I, I just what I'm hearing coming out of that locker room, I just ain't good. Ain't good, Andy. I just I'm not optimistic. Like I I so want to be optimistic. That's the problem. I, I, well, I'm I think the serious. worst thing like, you can do. People yeah. think I just want to be negative for the sake of being negative. No, like I'm dying yeah. to be optimistic about this team. Like, 
that the, the talent that they have on both sides of the ball, like, because again, I've you gotta understand, I've watched practices where they fail to complete a pass in eleven on eleven. I've covered training camps where if they scored a touchdown in that particular practice on that given day, that was like my lead note in the notebook was a complete mm-hmm. breakdown of one freaking throw in practice that resulted in so uh be, just because the team had been so devoid of talent, it's so many key positions. So that's what has just been so mind numbing disappointing for me is that yeah, they they have all this talent and they're doing nothing with it. To your point earlier about Nick Chubb and Joel Batonio and Miles Garrett, all these guys who are in the prime of their careers and, and that Joe Thomas analogy, right? Could never right. I mean Joe Thomas, Josh Cribbs, Phil Dawson all played in the wrong era. You know what I mean? They all, I mean, too bad they weren't playing in this particular era, but um, yeah, all those careers, I, I don't want to say we're wasted, but I mean, from a win loss standpoint, competitive standpoint, while they were in Cleveland, yeah, man, like a lot of wasted years for those guys. And they, and they, and, and to our conversation earlier about having the heart and the drive and the determination like you want to talk about the ultimate reason just to mail crap in every week or year in and year out. Joe Thomas had it. Phil Dawson had it. Josh Cribbs had it. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. all the reason in the world, no freaking hope that the team was going to be worth a damn when they were here, really outside of the 2007 season and going into 2008. But yeah, I mean, year in and year out, like there wasn't a whole hell of a lot of hope that things were going to be that great deep down inside them, but they went out every damn day and they did their jobs. They did it at a high level. Uh, the stuff that they would do on the personal time to make sure that they, they were physically capable of going out there week in and week out when the easiest thing, and I'm the first to admit it, but dude, if I was in Joe Thomas's shoes, Andy, I would have taken so many week 17s off. I would have taken so many Decembers off my knee, my ankle, my Would elbow. you have taken the trade? That's my question, Daryl. A hundred percent. Get me the F out of here. Yes, I would have. A hundred. I'm man enough to say that. I would have. I would have. I would have walked. Who, who was the GM at that time? Was that Ray or was that... um? Was that uh, no was no? Ray was that Farmer, I think it was. Was it Ray or was it Heckert? It's a blur to me. I would have walked into the. Well, Heckert went office. there after. Yeah, I don't think Heckert was there when they made the trade. Yeah, I don't think Heckert I, was in Denver at the time. Regardless, I would have walked into the GM's yeah. office and kissed his feet. Thank you for getting <laughs> me out of football hell. Thank you. I would not have done what Joe Thomas did and say, "I'd like to stay." I like it here. My family likes it here. I'd like to stay. I would have been num nums. I have a great here. garden. I I I would have been like, you know what? Uh, so uh, when's that flight to, to Denver from Hopkins taking off? <laughs> it's a pretty no, quick I, one too. You know, I'll just pack my bag here and take it with me, and uh, they can ship my stuff to me in Denver. No, I I just uh, it's why I have such respect for professional athletes because I know what they go through. I've seen it. It's so difficult. Uh, I just have a different perspective. It's why I, I, even like the Guardians, some people want to say they're disappointed in what happened with them. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, how can you be disappointed at all? That came out of nowhere. 
that 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 was that was everything that sports are about. What happened with them uh, this year? Uh, hopefully, the Cavs can kind of do that. Everyone's dying for the Browns uh, to do that. So uh, I don't judge the success of seasons anymore on did you win a championship or not? Because I have witnessed firsthand between the Indians slash Guardians and the Cavaliers just how difficult it is to win a championship and what these guys go through to try and make it happen. It would just be nice, though, if the Browns had that same energy that I've seen from those two other organizations. And it's not forced. They're not talking about, yeah, you want to go hang out of your house? Maybe we should do that. That might be a good. No, you just do it. You don't ask about it. You just do it. Well, I think about those teams in the 80s and 90s, and those teams had chemistry. They did, especially the teams in the 80s. You know, And that's why I think a lot of those guys still live in Northeast Ohio or make the pilgrimage back whenever they have an alumni event. So I I do think that that chemistry was super important. By the way, before we go, I do want to send a shout-out Bernie Kosar. He was uh, inducted into the Cleveland Sports uh, Hall of Fame, which, by the way, um, I was a little surprised by that. Not that he got inducted, but that he wasn't already in it to begin with. So, well, I believe the rules—the rules on that change too okay. to induct him. I, I don't know. I can't remember. I'll be honest with you. I don't really. If it wasn't for Les Levine, I don't know that a lot of us would even know about the Cleveland Sports Hall of Fame. So, yeah. uh, you know, makes me think about Les. That's for sure. So, all right, Daryl, we have uh, run out of time today. Although it is a podcast, so we could probably go for twenty-four <laughs> hours. But uh, yeah. in our world and this basement that I'm sitting in again here. Uh, as we play, where in the world is Andy? Uh, if anyone can actually see us, or they run a little bit of it on uh, on the uh, on Instagram or on Twitter, um, I'm trying to be in as many different places as I can to do this. So just having fun, Daryl. Outstanding show again today. I always appreciate your reports uh, throughout the day, and I always love reading your stuff at 923thefan.com. Meredith Kane, you rock. Thank you, Meredith. We appreciate you. She's our producer. If you want to be a part of the show, why don't you hit us up on Instagram or Twitter? at Game Day CLA. He's Daryl, I'm Andy. It's always Game Day. Thank you.